Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. From the Liquor Barn Studios, it's time for The V Show, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Bobby V. It's Monday, so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively happy because last week was as busy a travel week, and so far, Knockwood, we've managed to get through everything okay. I'm feeling good. No, no real problems in the travel. But other than that... Um, it's a little it's it's crank it's a crankified start to the week, um, and we'll get to the sports part of it. But beyond that, um, I had a, that nineteen parlay I gave you guys on Thursday. Eight of them won, and the only one that lost was Kentucky in overtime. Well, I would have hit the nineteen parlay for you all. Close. You can you can look it up as Casey Stengel used to say. So we were right there. Didn't get that. Then uh, I was freezing, absolutely freezing. Here, and so we went to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So well, that's got to be warmer, right? No, that was like 19 degrees. So then I was like, they went to Winston Salem to play Wake Forest, and I got went to Austin, Austin, Tech, Texas, Austin, Texas. Got to be warm down there, right? No, no, in the teens in Austin, Texas. And you know, it's one of those cities that pisses you off because they think they're San Diego and they're not. Meaning. When you go and land there, like if you if you go to Hawaii, for example, and you land and then you got to go from like the gate to the main terminal or the terminal to the rental cars, I don't know, but you walk outside because it's freaking Hawaii. Well, it's Austin does the same thing. You got to land and then you got to walk like a, a, a half a mile to the rental cars and they're thinking, oh, it's be a lovely walk in Austin. It was 11 degrees with the wind blowing. I almost got pneumonia by the time I got to the car. So that pissed me off and then i got home at 11 52 on a sunday night and uh a saturday night and it was in the I, I, let's put it this way i didn't see it, a temperature higher than 20 for four straight days that's not fun I, I don't like that i'm older now i don't like the cold weather i want my next job to be at wequ the official espn affiliate at the equator that's what i want i want to be where it's a million degrees all the time. I know people, oh, I hate the heat. No, no, no. I'll take it over this any day. So that was I don't trust anybody that says I'd rather be too cold than too hot. Really? What are they, nuts? They're crazy. I, I, I would rather be outside in oh, 90 degrees. Me too, sweat man. my butt off. Yeah, absolutely. Once you break a sweat, then you can go out and play and do whatever you want. And, and But you can freeze to death very easily. Very cold. It was cold all over. I watched the golf tournament last night. The women were playing. Was it the women? Who was it? I guess it was the women. 
Might have been the men. They both played yesterday. Yeah, I know, but who was in Orlando? One of them was in Orlando. I think it was the women. And they were all dressed up. I said, this must be a tournament like in... You know, one of the relatively northern states, like that's something like North Carolina. So they're down in freaking Orlando and they were freezing. So everybody was cold. That's because they all put jackets on when it gets below 60 degrees in Florida. Well, that's, that's true. That's part of the reason the Dolphins struggled in Kansas City is because, you know, well, that's that's what degrees. that's what uh, uh, we were talking about in the back that you can tell the people who live there, you know, because the minute it gets below 50, they, they look like they're going to a hockey game, you know. So anyway, there's that. Um, lots of stuff to talk about. The big head of producers out sick today. Zach's sitting there eating something. What are you eating? It was applesauce. I had oh. a ham sandwich and applesauce. Nice. It's relatively healthy. Yeah, well, you. I've been out the last couple of days eating junk, so got to eat a little healthy today, Try. right? <laughs> One day's not going to... Oh, no, it's a couple of days. All right, fair enough. Um, the, I was, for those who don't know, although I kind of just told you, we were... Um, Went with Louisville to the North Carolina game, and then they went to Wake Forest, and I went down to Texas. I'm not rubbing it in, but I had an unbelievable game. If you saw it or saw the highlights of it, the Texas-Baylor game was outstanding. Um, No team had more than an eight-point lead. Texas led by eight. Baylor led by six. That was the biggest margin. They went back and forth, and it came down to a buzzer beater. Baylor made a three to tie it with about five seconds to go, and uh, Texas went the length of the court and literally made a shot at the buzzer where the ball is in the air as the buzzer sounds. So they went to the re- replay and determined it definitely was off in time. And it definitely, by the time it went through the net, there was no time left. So it literally was a walk-off. And uh, Texas got a much-needed win. They started the year 1-3 and three after their great run through the tournament last year. They had a lot of people back. Everyone had high aspirations for them. And they started 1-3 and three in the league, and people were a little fidgety to say the least. Uh, Baylor was 3-1 and one and lost a game that they arguably should have won the game before this. They were 3-0 and oh and looked like they were sailing to go to 4-0, and, oh, and then they wound up uh, losing a lead late in the in the game. At uh, They lost an overtime at Kansas State. And that's his old assistant, Jerome Tang, uh, Scott Drew's old assistant, and he hasn't beaten him yet since he took the job there. Uh, I think Jerome Tang's beaten him three times in a row, so... Uh, they're good friends, but he hasn't been able to beat them yet. So that was interesting. So now they're three and two. That league is unbelievable. The Big Twelve is fantastic. Um, so, uh, but I know you'd rather talk about the Louisville game first. I will mention something about that though, because I think there's some interesting sidebars. But um, I, the games were on at the same time, the Louisville game and the um, the game I was doing in Texas. And I'm trying to keep tabs on things. So the first media time out there, I go on and I look and. Uh, you know, I try and see, uh, uh, you know, what uh, what's transpiring. And they list the players by starting lineups. And I was like, no, that – I mean, no disrespect, but I was like, that can't be right. It says Payne starting. It's going to be a misprint. So I texted uh, – I texted uh, Paul. said, did, did he start his son? So he said, yes, he did. And it was very popular. <laughs> I didn't even need the sarcasm font to see that. I was like, really? Wow. Well, I didn't see that coming, to say the least. Uh, now, I will say this, okay? Let me, let, me, let me say this about that, as all the comedians who used to impersonate the late uh, President Richard Nixon would say. Let me say this about that. Um, they have gotten off to some bad starts. I... Uh, I think that the the um, the bad starts. I think 
um, is are attributable to um, some things that are more than just the starting lineups. I know people are like, well, they start Hersey and they start Yovanovich and they start, uh, you know, and then they started his son. And maybe some of that, but I don't think that's necessarily all of it because um, usually guys who are not starting a lot will give you a better defensive effort. And Hersey plays hard defense. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really, you know, I haven't seen really Zan play much other than really, really late in games. He scored his first points of the year, I guess, in, in the North Carolina game. But aside from that, here's what I think is really the story. And I really do think that this is part of it. Before anybody says you're doing explaining or defending, I'm not doing anything. I'm observing. When you see teams that are very, very confident that they are going to win and win easily, boy, oh boy, they shoot the ball. <laughs> it's just they, they, it's 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 a very basketball is a very hard game to play with the veins bursting out of your neck. You can't play it like football. You can't try and just steamroll guys and have that adrenaline serve serve you well to opening up a, a gigantic running back lane for a running lane for the for the for the you know running back. It, they play they play with a great deal of. Uh, you got to play with what I call a relaxed aggression to play basketball. Well, you can't be so relaxed that you're not, you know, playing good defense or going hard to the boards. But you're, when you, it's time to shoot the ball, man, you got to relax. And everybody relaxes against Louisville because they're not stupid. They're, they're watching films and they're seeing them get beat by 25 points every damn night. And so you come out and you shoot the ball, and then you know nothing feeds on itself like shooting in basketball and hitting in baseball. Yeah, it's unbelievable in baseball. You watch a team. I know some of it has to do with the pitching, but you can make the same make the same case for basketball. It has to do with the defense. But you watch one team, same lineup on a Tuesday, they get a three hit shutout, and then on Wednesday they get seventeen hits and score eleven runs. And you say, what the hell happened? But it is it just feeds on itself. All of a sudden, you just you're expecting to make every shot you look at, and you're expecting to get a hit every time you go to the plate. And and that's how the game works. And teams come out and they expect to make shots against Louisville. They're relaxed because they think, well, you know, well they may very well go into the game if the coach has done their job and not overlook Louisville. They come out with great, great confidence, and uh, and so. It makes it now. Having said that, nobody's absolving them from their blame about playing defense or anything like that. So don't you know, put words in my mouth. But what I'm suggesting is, I think it's doubly hard. And I used to say that in general. It's it, the second hardest thing to do in basketball. I can't speak for other sports, but I'm sure it's true. There is to win. The hardest thing to do is win after you've lost for a while, because. Everybody expects to beat you. And they come in and you can say, well, couldn't they get overconfident? For every one team that comes in overconfident, you get nine teams that come in and play with a sense of there's an urgency of we are going to steamroll these guys. Let's go get them. And that's the truth. And that's where Louisville is now. Sad as it is to say, that's the reality. And so it's doubly hard to win. I'm not suggesting it's easy. I'm not making it sound like it's easy to do that. But that's, you know, they're not doing a very good job of running guys off the three-point line and all that but they also are are uh, made their, have made their job so much harder because everybody's convinced they can just handle them pretty easily and then they do i mean you know this this road trip and i got to be honest look look let's let's before anybody wants to make too much of anything here 
I, I, Kenny, I'm going to say it every time we bring his name up. He's among the nicest human beings I've ever met. He's a class act. He's a really good person. I, I wish very good things for him and his family. But unless – I'm not even sure there is a, a scenario where things could change enough. But assuming they're not going to change, I mean, they're going to be making a change in that position, whether it's before the year's out or as soon as the year's over. I don't know. And 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 it's not my that's my not my pay grade. It's not my job. But that's probably how um, you know it's uh, it's going to go forward. So I, I mean, it just seems to be that's the way it's going to go. But the fact of the matter is, it's it's going to be. I don't I don't know you know who takes the job. I hope or or however that goes on. If somehow he's here still, they can find a way to 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 make things appreciably different next year. But as I look at it, I just. Uh, it's it's I know people are like I can't believe we're still in this movie where we talk about how how uh, woeful things are. You thought, okay, well, you know, we went through that. It was behind us. The NCA stuff has got put to bed, and now we're ready to go forward. And it really hasn't gone forward. And that's the point. The before anybody thinks I'm just like you know kind of overreacting or being you know unfair or whatever. You, you again, you don't have to agree. That's what radio is all about. That, but. You should at least, I hope, listen to what I've been saying. And what I've said is, and the reason I think it hasn't gotten to the point where you can say, okay, well, we need to go forward, is because um, there are four steps to rebuilding a program. Those of you who have listened to the show enough probably can answer them back with me, but or maybe sick of hearing them, but this is absolutely what I believe to be the case. First step is you got to be competitive. The second step is you have to improve. Third step is you got to win. And then the fourth step is you got to maintain the winning. That's how you build a program. The first, you know, it's kind of like um, if you play golf, if you work really hard at it, you can get from like a 28 handicap to like a 12 handicap relatively quickly to get from a, or a 10 handicap, to get from a 10 to a 6 is a lot of work. Well, that's the thing. Usually, you can be competitive almost right away. It, it almost, even with seemingly a tremendously uh, short-handed team in terms of talent, but you can be competitive because you know if you get guys that are willing to defend and just battle for every loose ball and get rebounds, you can be competitive. And then you want to see some improvement. They're now halfway through the second year, and I don't think they've taken step one. They're not competitive. I mean, that, that's that's what's heartbreaking. They're just – you watch a game and you almost expect them to not be competitive before it's over. And that's disheartening. Very, very um, disheartening. Like it's a story when they were competitive against North Carolina in the second half. It's a story when they're competitive in these games, and that shouldn't be the case. I don't – Well, and, That's where we're at. And to amplify what you're saying, like the games take a shape, and, and you're seeing that – repeat itself teams get off to a great start because they're very confident then they're moving the ball and they're playing and they're all there and they're making shots and then it's human nature they aren't consciously taking their foot off the gas but they do it's just human nature you can't play at that same level and then the Louisville players start playing with a sense of abject desperation because you don't want to get beat 100 to 40 so and they did that against North Carolina and they had things going their way and then finally they look up at the scoreboard and they say geez the Cremona here. It's a five-point game. And then, and not only that, Bill Russell used to make a great point, because the NBA, of course, is a league that has much more ebb and flow than college basketball generally does. And he said the problem with when you get down double digits early is it takes so much energy to come back that by the time you get back, back, 
you're, you're running out of gas. And then the other guy gets a second wind, and now you go back down 10 again. And especially with this roster, which is so short, they only have what, like seven guys. They're seven scholarship guys. So if they make a run and get close – you know they're running out of gas, and so then it goes and it follows that script again, and they go. You know, they, and and the thing that's that's weird is, I mean, offensively they're playing at a decent level. I mean, I looked at those numbers when I was in Texas, and uh, they shot forty six percent. You know, that, that's pretty good, and they and they, uh, you know, they they did well enough there, but they always seemingly, it's kind of like that. You know, when you're on a boat and it's spring and leaks, and you put your foot over one and then the water pops up right here and then you put your hand over that. It's like, it's like a giant game of keep yourself from drowning twister, you know? And so in this one, all of a sudden they couldn't rebound again. All of a sudden they got out rebounded 36, 26 and the other team made 18 threes and they made two. They got outscored by 16 times three, which is 48. They got outscored by 48 points behind the three point line. You gotta be kidding me. You can't possibly make that up in twos and free throws. So I don't know. Uh, and then I, I didn't see it, obviously, but I, I didn't find out until I got in today that the game went from the opening tip till the under 12-minute timeout without any stoppages of play. That's unbelievable. They went through, they, they went through three segments in one. So that, that, that th- what would normally be the third segment of the game, which would be from the uh, under 12 to the under 8, that must have been a the snooze fest to watch because every time the ball went out of bounds they had to take a commercial to make up for the ones they missed they missed the under 16 timeout they missed the under 12 timeout that's i don't i've never seen that in basketball before i would have seen some history at least if i'd been able to do that game and watch them go from the opening tip to well they didn't go there was some stoppage of course because there was some stoppage between the opening tip and the 16 minute mark there were foul on zan Payne, foul on andrew carr there was a foul on Sky Clark. But then once the game hit the under 16-minute mark, it just went from the media timeout. Uh, well, no, they didn't have a media timeout because, yeah, they just kept playing. They, they had stoppages. But then once they got to the 16-minute mark, so actually there was no stoppages between. I can tell you exactly. Uh, let's see. There was a foul at uh, – Foul on Sky Clark at 18.33. Now, I don't know. The ball might have gone out of bounds somewhere there. So I, I can't speak. It doesn't show that in the play-by-play. Oh, yeah, at 17.12, Sky Clark made a turnover. No, it was a live ball turnover. So the clock didn't stop there. No, so there had to be no stops because it would show turnover if there was a turnover and it wouldn't show steal. So that means from, from um, 17.12 – <laughs> 17.12 – this is going to take me a while, kids, so hang in with me. 17-12 to uh, 10-24. 10-24. 17-12 to 10-24. So basically seven straight minutes they they uh, they um, didn't have a stoppage of play. And because of that, they had to cram all these TV, these commercials, and so my this had to be weird as hell to watch. At ten twenty four, there was a foul on Hunter Salas, so that made an official timeout. Trey White came out and made the first of two free throws, and they had to take another TV timeout. So he shot one free throw, and they had to take another timeout to get the more commercials in. So he made that, and then uh, they had to get. Now they were back on schedule with uh, timeouts. That had to be crazy. Anyway, but and, and you know, and they were close. They got off to a terrible start, you know, 
Um, uh, uh, well, you know, actually, it was not particularly terrible. People get all mad about Zan, but I mean, I'm looking at it here. It wasn't terrible. It was 10-8 with six minutes gone, 13-10. So why are they jumping on the starting lineup? It wasn't really the start. It was that stretch again after the first 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes, they were down three. Three! 1916. And from 1916 to uh, 38 to 24. 38, 26. So that's what 19 plus 19, 19. So uh, uh, 19, 8. And then by halftime, they were down uh, 15 again. And then the second half turned into kind of a blowout. So, I mean, it was what it was. 90, 65, they give up 90 points. And, uh, I mean, you know, who knows? I don't know what to expect anymore. Uh, because, I mean, the Miami, Miami Metro has ever really recovered from when Louisville beat them. They've, they've kind of staggered around a bit. Florida State beat them by nine at home. And uh, um, Miami, I, I thought, was going to be a much better team. Florida State was not supposed to have a very good team this year. And they're rolling. Florida State's he's done some job that the Leonard Hamilton. He really has. I mean, that's the headline. Florida State solidifies place among ACC leaders, beating Miami 84-75. And that, of course, is uh, where Louisville will be uh, headed after dealing with Duke. So it's going to be no rest for the weary. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, We'll take a look at the... We'll go around the country, take a look at some of the standings a little bit later in the show. But Carolina at 7-0 and in the conferences in first place. And in my mind, they are among one of the elites in the country. But Florida State tied for second with Wake and North Carolina State at 5-2. and two. Duke can play themselves into that group if they can uh, get by Louisville uh, tomorrow night here at the KFCM Center. But um, so getting back to the Texas game, um, listen – I am very, very uh, uh, respectful and appreciative and, ad, uh, you know, very full of admiration for the KFC. I'm center the people correctly point at it. And, and when I go around the country, people who all have either been in it and say, boy, that's some arena you got there, or they say, boy, I'd really like to see it. But I got to tell you the truth. The Texas arena will blow your mind. I had They built a new arena uh, last year, and I didn't have a Texas game last year, so I didn't see it. First time I've seen it. The story behind it is unbelievable. First of all, it's a, it's still a football state, so they it's not a it's not an especially big arena for basketball. It only seats about eleven thousand. But the story behind it that makes it interesting is well, three things. One, you, we make a big deal about the bells and whistles here at the Yum Center, like bars and restaurants, and everything. And well, they always say Texas, everything's bigger. They got nothing on what's in that place. There are on three different levels, restaurants, bars. I can't begin to tell you. It was uncanny. So that's nice. But here's the unique things. Matthew McGonaghy helped design it, evidently. And I guess he pays attention to other arenas. And like so many people, he admires the fact that, you know, Duke has their kids right on that sideline and they're jumping up and down. He funded... Uh, he calls it the corral and on all three sides at court level are for the kids or at least on one side i know i i don't i think it's free admission for the students because that was filled way before the game and he said we're not going to make it so that all these big wigs are going to be paying the money and getting all the best seats you want the kids to show up they're going to be so he has the corral and if that fills up 
Up at the top, he has another section of standing room only, which is just for the students as well. And it was, there were people in both sections. It was packed. It was very, it was crowded. But this is the thing I've never seen, never nor heard of before. McGonaghy said, we are considered along with Nashville like the music capital kind of of the country and nobody will come and play in our arena they wouldn't play in the old basketball arena because the acoustics were so bad so he said we build this we're making it so that they want to play here and what they did is and but to make it so there's still great atmosphere instead of at the top where a lot of places and the um is one of them will drop a black curtain you know when they close off those seats so that they would fill the bottom bowl of the arena which seats about a little over ten thousand. the top those seats are are shielded if you will by these enormous jerry jones football kind of video screens they go they, they go like, you know, Jerry Jones's one goes the whole length of the football field. This goes like, you know, two-thirds of the way of a basketball court, and they are connected all the way around. So on all the sides except the one side where the students have that standing room only, it's blocking all the seats up there so that they sell out. They sell 10,500, 10, 10, whatever it is, seats for basketball. But the concert venue will seat like 15,000. But here's what those screens do. I've never even heard of this before. Instead of, like, you know, in a classroom, if you were in school, I guess they still have the screens. You know, you'd pull it, it would roll up like a like a shade, a window shade. These, and again, it's hard on the radio, they go up uh, like if you've ever seen high school gyms where they turn the machine on and the baskets go up, you know, when they're putting the baskets up, they they fold up, for lack of a better word. So they go um, they, they go upward, not up straight. They go up at like they, as I don't know how to describe it. I, it. It's like if you've ever seen baskets in the gym where they, they go up, they, they don't go straight up into the ceiling. They fold up, for lack of a better word. So they fold up into the ceiling and then they form a flush new roof. And they're treated somehow, I don't know what the hell they did, but I'm told on the back of those screens are uh, uh, acoustically designed to make it like sounding like a, like, uh, um, you know, um, Carnegie Hall. It's supposed to be the most incredible acoustic experience because the back of these screens when they go up the back of the screens have i don't know they i don't think they got speakers tiles i don't know what they have but they said trust me you got to hear it it's unbelievable and so now all the acts want to play there so now if you're like in an older demographic this would mean more to you perhaps but it is a big deal when i was in going way back in high school the doobie brothers were you know one of the biggest acts and they still have they're in the hall of fame and everything but their lead singer is a guy named Michael McDonald who went out on his own. I, I only know this because as I was going to the airport <laughs> Saturday, they, had, they were running ads on the radio. Come January 28th, you won't want to miss it. For the first time in 25 years, Michael McDonald performing again with the Doobie Brothers. Where's it going to be? At the Moody Center. And by the way, they got it paid for with a grant. I, don't, I was amazed at these foundations. We're trying our brains out to fund you know $50,000 worth of research stuff. The Moody Foundation, which I really should look up, Gave them $140 million for this arena. My understanding is they own the land, but the Moody Foundation 
or whoever bought the arena and uh and but they have written in a contract where they get uh, like a certain number of dates or whatever they don't rent it from them they get the dates and it's a it's a they have so much money, Texas. I mean, I, it's hard to me to describe. You got to go to see the facilities. It'll blow your. I've never the two places I've seen that have facilities that you just your jaw drops are Ohio State and Texas. They the amount of money has to just be jaw dropping. I mean, the other arena they had was fine. There was nothing wrong with it, but the medical people, the the doctors, the the hospital wanted the land, so they were like, "We want the land. We'll buy it." And so they said, "What are we going to do?" They said, "How about we build your new arena?" Yeah. And this is ridiculous. It is. We were broadcasting right in front of the Dell Labs lounge. I almost went to the woman today. Uh, scotch and waters, and keep them coming. Till I know. <laughs> Don't even drink scotch or water. Just, but I mean that's. It was a full service bar and grill and the food. It was oh my god, it was fantastic. Was all I'll tell you. If you ever get a chance to see a game there, I'd say go. Even if you don't give a rat's ass about Texas. First of all, the Big Twelve is the best basketball in the country right now. Oh, yeah. It's that good. The SEC is also very good, but that league is rocking. And that venue was terrific. So I've never seen the screens. I almost wish I could have stayed to see them go up like that i wonder what it would look like when they're uh they're all folded up into the ceiling and they form basically a whole new ceiling and then they open it opens up to five thousand more seats and they got a practice facility which you know is is, i coached in non-division one for a long time they're like a lot of the places now the practice facility is better than a lot of the places that non-division ones are playing their games it's uh uh, it was it was fun and it was a great game so i I mean again i don't want to be that guy but after doing so many games in a row that were just so one-sided it was damned entertaining to to uh to see such a competitive game it was and uh, they're good they're really good so there's that all right we'll take a break we'll come back uh what do we got sully coming up is that what he's doing all right i don't know what we're going to talk to him about other than we've talked about because i know he's going to he already came on last week and said he thinks it's a it was a fait accompli about a new coach and now you say well sure after what went on but i mean this was before what had gone over the last couple of weeks so uh talk about that we can talk about lamar and his legacy and uh do we get a ring by the way because we're an affiliate we're the official affiliate here do they think we should you know we're not even allowed to carry the game yeah because the westwood ones a bunch of garbage yeah i mean the only done it all year the only local people who can carry it are the the flagship so yeah in baltimore Baltimore and kansas city that's a bunch of we're affiliated with both of them yeah bunch of garbage but uh, uh the nfl playoffs are darned entertaining no question about that um we'll take a break we'll come back uh and um zach's here nick's not where you're wherever you are thanks for being with us on a monday on espn 680-1057 taking care of your family isn't always easy so we make sure getting care when you need it is with baptist health urgent and virtual care we bring you more options and greater convenience too with video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Be a part of the show. 
Text Bobby V on the UPS Jobs text line at 437-9680. Um, Texter says, uh, I don't think Zach, uh, Zan is the answer, but I, I admire Kenny at least uh, do, trying something different. Well, he did. He played Hershey, which, you know, that I was, I was one of the guys lobbying for that because uh, every time he's been out there, I think he's tried to do some good things. Uh, but and they did win. Not that he was the the reason why, but I mean, I, I think they. Yeah, I agree. When you see things struggling, um, you want to see them at least try and roll out some some new things. Tim Sullivan is going to join us at uh, the top of the hour. We got some other things to uh, to uh, um, talk about as well. If you take again, this is just one man's opinion. So don't make it sound like I'm trying to ram anything down your throats. But if you take a look, did have the polls come out yet, by the way? I don't know if they have. They haven't come out yet, have they? That's irrelevant. They have not, as far as I know. Um, they still had Kansas ranked number three, and they just lost to West Virginia, yeah. so my guess is no. All right, but the teams that I've seen that I think are elite right now, and, and it doesn't mean there aren't some others that not only can make the Final Four but could win. I mean, that's, that's the margin of separation is pretty damn small. But the teams that I've seen firsthand – that I, I think could could you know be that are elite are UConn, uh, North Carolina. I think North Carolina is really good. Kansas, I don't care about the loss. Uh, Purdue, I would put Kentucky in that group, despite you know the overtime loss. Um, I haven't seen enough of Tennessee or Houston. I know Houston defends like banshees, so I would have to think. But I don't I don't like to just speculate without having really seen them for any extended time. So I haven't seen Houston. Or, or Tennessee to the extent I would like to. But I think they might be in that discussion. And I have seen Duke, and I think Duke has a chance to be there. They've got, they're have got they still young, and they're, they are, they're the epitome of the cake-baking team. So uh, if they bake, if that bakes well, they could be there. But the teams, to, the short answer to the question of the teams I've seen right now, the five would be Connecticut, Kansas, Carolina, Kentucky, and Purdue. Those five, I think, are elite right now. I, I think really most do. people would say those are the five best teams in college well, basketball right now. I mean, Houston's in that poll. Tennessee's in that poll. Uh, I, I wouldn't put it past Baylor, you know, even though they've lost a couple. That league, you got to look at teams that are, are good in that league, and they've been off to a great start in that league. Uh, I'll get a chance. I'm really looking forward to it. We, we normally um, – this year has been really good. ESPN Radio's had a chance to – we're getting in every league. Some some years it's been all basically SEC, ACC, and then maybe one or two Big Ten games. This year we're doing a Big East game. We're doing a, a Pac-12 game. I get to do Arizona, which I'm there looking forward to seeing in person because it, it just makes a difference when you see a team yeah. in person. Uh, do you I, see what UCF shot? their percentage against houston the other day no no 16 percent. 16 they shot seven for 44 the entire game well that's what they do though houston guards the snot out of you man they're really good defensively i mean look at their scores they've held look look at their scores they've held texas tech who was ranked 25th in the country to 54 points ucf to 42 points uh tcu beat them but they only scored 68 uh, Iowa State beat them, but they only scored 57. They held West Virginia to 55. I mean, it, it's it's their offense that you can question because they're holding everybody. Held Penn, who's actually a pretty good Ivy League team, to 42. I mean, they just they, – they're like, we don't care how everybody's playing right now. We're playing the way we want to play. We're playing like, you know, there's no shot clock. He's got everybody defending their brains out. And uh, 
And I think Rick Barnes is one of the underappreciated coaches in the country. I think his team's very good. So uh, we'll see where they go. And they've had some good wins. They've also had some, like everybody else, some missteps. But, uh, you know, they just they, – they pretty much steamrolled Alabama the other day by 20. They beat Florida by 20 – by 19. They beat Georgia on the road by six. They lost on the road to Mississippi State by five. They beat Ole Miss by 26. I mean, so they – you know, that to me says something. Your margin of victory uh, says something. They beat NC State by nine. Uh, we, we had them um, in the uh, – actually, I did. That was dumb of me. I uh, – oh, no, I didn't see that game. Forget about it. They they beat uh, Illinois uh, uh, 86-79. Um, and, and Illinois – that's a weird situation, by the way. I, 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 that's strange. I'm wondering what kind of greeting – I didn't see it. I'm sure somebody listening to this probably saw it because every game's televised. But Shannon, uh, who I don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, I get he got a temporary restraining order. I, 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 that's got to be rather uncomfortable, I would think. No, I mean, it, it's kind of like when your mother said, "Now you know, brought you out by the hand. Now play with my son." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I don't know that we want to play that. Too bad. The court says you got to play with my son. But, I mean, he played. He played. Um, um, I th- I'm trying to find how many minutes. I'll get it in a second. He got a standing ovation. Too. He did? I thought that was weird. He did? Yeah. Wow. The Illinois fans Yikes. gave him standing up. Well, yeah. that's, he is. Tough look. That is, that's a hard one there. Yeah. He played 28 minutes and had 60. He's really a hell of a player, by the way. I mean, we saw him in New York. At the Jimmy V, the dude can play, but I mean, it's not. It's not like, I mean, again, I'm not close enough to the everyday thing of it. We don't want to assume anybody's guilty. To, but I mean, if if the thing had happened and then the case was thrown out, you know, then you say, all right, well, me. But that's not what happened, right? I mean, it, it's still. He just got a temporary restraining order. He may still be convicted of this thing when it all plays out. Yikes, that's tough. That's a tough one. But having said that, he's really good at basketball. <laughs> that's 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 the reality and uh, they're good they're 14 and 4 and they're uh, sailing along they're pretty good i was i didn't think they were going to win the jimmy v classic game in new york and uh, yet they did so um uh you know they're they're pretty good uh and um, we'll see what they can do and that, you know when i look at there's such a small separation. You're seeing all these top five teams losing on the road because there's a small separation, and everybody's fired up, and the place is sold out, and you know, and they win. You know, Baylor comes down to a buzzer shot. I mean, that's that's a small, small margin of separation. But in the NCAA tournament, you're going to be playing on neutral courts. That's why I always say how different the NCAA tournament would be if it was like the NBA, if they played on home courts all the way through. You might, I mean, there might be some teams that are barely in the top 10 that would be making their way to the national championship. How many more titles would Duke have? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, there's a bunch of places. Hell, SMU might make deep tournament runs. That place is a bear to play at. That's a really hard place. What's the most underrated place to play that people wouldn't think about? Uh, The the Palestra in Philadelphia. Nobody outside that Northeast knows how special that building is. That's a great place. It's not very big. Great. uh, And if you can get a, 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 you know, Philly Big Five rivalry game when the two teams are evenly matched. That place rocks. It's uh, I would I would definitely try and see a game there. I think that's a really cool place. I think uh, uh, um, Minnesota's got a cool place to see a game too. That old barn that they play in. That's a little unusual. So um, 
It's uh, there's a lot of you know you always think of it in terms of baseball stadiums, but there's some really cool basketball uh, venues to see uh, to see games at too. Some of the older ones are really cool. I mean, Ohio State used to have a really cool place to play, St. John's Arena. St. John Arena was fantastic. Yep, I'm from Columbus, and we... oh, I I, I did. I don't. Know, you got to go way back. Thad Mata was still there. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember, yes. But they made an NIT run. Yep. And the Schottenheimer Center. Schottenstein. Is that what yeah. it's called? Schottenheimer named it after Marty. the football coach. <laughs> yeah. They they had it was all booked. Sure. So they were high enough seed. They had home games, so they played their whole run up to Madison Square Garden at St. John Arena. And yeah. I got to do it with the late, God rest his soul, John Saunders. And so we just stayed there. They kept winning, and the network said, well, you guys stay there and do the next round. So we did the next round, and, and I said, this building is fantastic. I went to those games. You were? Yeah. Wasn't it the app? Well, it's you know, so it's so much of, better than the shot and scene. Well, and, and you know what else? Because the people who get to sit courtside, I think it's like, you know, those are not the, the people who get the courtside seats and the big arenas they're often. They're not the are, real fans. No, they're the money guys. That's right. This one was the guy, he may not have been to a game, and yeah. now he buys a ticket to this thing and I he's know. sitting 10 rows off the court. He's going out of his mind. Yeah. The atmosphere was great. That yeah. was that was fun. Is that building still there? They rip it it's, down. No, it, the volleyball team still plays. Oh, there. they do? Yeah. I wish the basketball team would go back there, but of course, the shot and scene center's got 20,000 people yeah. and it's a concert venue more than it is a basketball arena. Well, and it makes it makes money like the texas right. guy was telling rodney terry the coach can't we just lift those screens we can get five thousand more people in and he's like no <laughs> we want everybody down on the court we want the home court advantage that's the problem with the shot and scene center is doesn't get very loud. no because it's so big yes that's the that's i think every team that's got an old venue like that should play one heritage game. Absolutely. Like Louisville should play one game in the free, in Freedom Hall. NC State does. They play one game in the Reynolds Coliseum, which is now the court is named after my brother, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So that's nice. Not for that reason. It's just I think fans who've been fans for a long time could appreciate that. And I know one of the reasons that it's hard to is because what do you do with your season ticket holders? You know, sometimes the, the, you can't even get them in there, and where do you sit them, and the logistics of the thing. But I think it'd be worth it anyway. I mean, I would even to the point where I'd say for that one game, it's not part of your season ticket plan. You give the season ticket holders first dibs on buying the tickets, but it's open to everybody. Come on in, let's yeah. have a party. And and there's a whole bunch of arenas that are like that. Hell, I mean, Kentucky could play at uh, uh, Memorial. I know it's called Memorial. And uh, Louisville could play in Freedom Hall, and um, NC State could play at Reynolds. Um, Ohio State could play at St. John. I don't even know where a lot of the other ones are, but I know they have them. Most of them didn't tear them down. A lot of them do what you're talking about. They yeah. play uh, um, volleyball in there, or as they use use it for. Does North Carolina still have Carmichael? I think it's still there. That would be cool. You know, who made the, the tell the story all the time. You know, who made the last basket in Carmichael Auditorium. Bias, my brother. They really? played my brother. NC State played Carolina in the last game scheduled for that. Carolina won. And when the game ended, I was watching it on TV. All of a sudden, I saw my brother run over and take the basketball from the referee. And he went down to the end of the court, dribbled it in his suit, made the layup, and he did it back and said, now I'm the answer to the trivia question. I made the last basket. <laughs> Only Jimmy would think uh, that. That's exactly right. And, you yeah. know, but – but that was kind of cool. I thought it was cool, though, because it showed he respected the place so much. You know, that's what I always liked. It wasn't disrespectful. It was just, if anything, he was talking about how special that place was. They used to have that little scoreboard in the corner that was done manually, although people never understood why that was. That was so that when they were watching game film, 
they knew where they were in the game because now everybody watches the broadcast thing. It's got the score bug. But Dean had that little thing in the corner where one of his nine trillion managers was in charge of flipping the minute, just by minute, you know, what minute in the game, 12, 11, 10, and then keep the score there so they knew what they were watching. They didn't leave a lot to chance at Carolina. and uh, they They still have a JV team. They had a JV game before Louisville's game. They play very early, so there's no way they're not going to be off the court. But uh, they still have one. I don't know who still has a JV team. I don't think there's very they They're playing like junior colleges and um, prep schools. I, I, is there, I wonder, could you even find that? Who still has JV basketball teams? Who? I imagine some non-Division ones do, but I, I think Carolina does it. Like Hubert Davis was the JV coach when he was there for a while. It gives right. you good coaching experience. And I think they always take one guy off the JV team and then they put him on the real varsity roster no. when he becomes an upperclassman. I don't mm-hmm. know if they give him a scholarship or not, but they put him on. Who still has JV teams in college basketball? Um, then they have the whole tradition where they started every senior, no matter whether he was a walk-on or for regular the vo- guy. Dean did that, yeah. Yeah. Now there's no seniors. I think Roy did that. There's no seniors yeah. left. So, right. Uh, very interesting. Let's see. Most teams, it doesn't tell you who they are, though. It says many still do, but who are the many? I just think, I, you know, this is one of those things where I talk about if, if you really want sports to be managed, like to some degree, like uh, an arm of the, you know, academic side of the university. In other words, instead of people, the, the, the sins of big-time sports are because they don't operate like any anything else on campus. Well, you know, you could do that. You could fund – why don't they fund more than one team? I've ever thought about that. Like, why can't Kentucky have a, a – or Louisville have a Division One team and a Division Three team? Why not? I mean, you know, and then the, the, what would the Division Three team do? Well, you would have uh, um, a chance for coaches to learn their skill, just like teaching assistants. You know, you could. There's no substitute for managing a game. No disrespect, but I mean, you gotta. Don't you just see that here with Louisville? I mean, nobody really knew how Kenny would do managing a game because he never had the opportunity to do it before. Well, I, 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 I imagine Hubert. Maybe he would say it had not nah, didn't do anything. But I bet you, if you asked Hubert Davis, he would say, "Yeah, I, when I was running the JV team here, it helped me be ready." The first year at Carolina, he came with a couple of baskets and winning the national championship. For goodness' sake, he looked like he was ready to be a head coach. Uh, I, I think it helps you. I don't think there's any question that there's. You know, that's what they always say about. You know, I remember talking to Dan McDonald about. When my, my son Jamie was playing and, and, you know, in the summer, what should he do and everything? And he said, I never forgot this. He said, there's no substitute for live at-bats for a baseball player. You can get in a cage and you can work with hitting instructors and do all but there's no substitute for live at-bats. And I think that's the same way with coaching, to be honest with you, until you've actually – I don't care if you're doing it in front of 20,000 people or 20 people. Until you've actually managed a game, 
There's no substitute for that. So uh, I, I think they could do something like that. I think that might be a, a cool thing. All right, we're at the top of the hour. We'll take a break. We're going to come back. Tim Sullivan's going to join us on the other side. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, Zach is on the um, on the board. Do we? Do people uh, know where to find you on on the artist formerly known as Twitter? Yeah, they they find me on there because I do the show with Louie right before. Oh, uh, so what? So what are you? Don't you want me to tell people? You don't want people to. You don't want me to tell you. Oh, tell I can, Yeah, it's uh, at your boy ZC. Yes, I came up with that in high school. <laughs> that's that's why you didn't want to tell me. There it is. <laughs> fun. All right, we'll come back. Stay stay with us on this Monday, ESPN 680 1057.